SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV broadcasts from, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and their elders, past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Friday, the 5th of May, well, we have an extensive conversation with the director, the producer, and the main protagonist in Earth Wisdom, a new documentary that will be released this weekend, celebrating Uncle Wayne Thorpe's Aboriginal knowledge and connection to country. As you'll hear, Earth Wisdom reveals how in many Aboriginal cultures, Mother Nature is part of family, she nurtures us, and also provides for us. In the program today, we also have a selection of stories shared from NITV, including a damning Queensland Health Ombudsman report about failures at Dumaji Hospital that led to the preventable death of an Aboriginal woman. Also shared from NITV, we explore Year on Boy 2023, a festival like no other in Australia that's currently taking place in Nam on the Kulin Nation. These stories and more after the latest news on NITV Radio, broadcasting from Nam on the Kulin Nation. Bertrand Tungandame, Ngaya. I am Bertrand Tungandame. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. Bulletin, indigenous leaders from around the world demand King Charles III apologize for the effects of colonization. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says enough is enough regarding Julian Assange's case. And Acting Prime Minister Richard Maltz says the budget will deliver cautious cost-of-living relief measures for Australians. Indigenous Australians have joined with leaders across the Commonwealth urging King Charles III to formally apologise for the effects of colonisation. Ahead of the King's coronation, representatives from 12 countries have written a joint letter calling for reparations, acknowledging the impact of slavery, along with returning the remains of Indigenous people and cultural artefacts. Australian signatories of the letter include Nova Paris, the first Indigenous woman elected to federal parliament and the co-chair of the Australian Republican Movement. Pharaoh ARM co-chair Craig Foster, as well as Victorian Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe, co-signed the letter. The letter says we stand united in engaging a process to right the wrongs of the past and to continue the process of decolonization. We, the undersigned, call on the British monarch King Charles III on the date of his coronation, being May 6, 2023, to acknowledge the horrific impacts on and legacy of genocide and colonization of the indigenous and enslaved peoples. 
the Northern Territory government will allow fracking to go ahead in the Bitalu Basin after lifting a five-year moratorium. The Bitalu Basin contains an estimated 500 trillion cubic feet of gas, making it one of Australia's most energy resource-rich areas. A new petroleum operations unit will monitor compliance with an annual investment of $2 million. Chief Minister Natasha Files says onshore fracking could begin as early as 2024. I want to make it clear. Traditional owners, Aboriginal Territorians, have the power to veto a project. Now is the time for the Northern Territory to provide the energy that the world needs to transition to renewable energies. We are absolutely serious about protecting our environment and our social amenity. This won't come at the cost to Territorians. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has declared enough is enough for detained WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, adding there's no benefit to his ongoing imprisonment. But the Labour leader, who is in the UK for the King's coronation, refused to reveal if he would be raising the imprisonment of Australians of the Australian case during an upcoming visit from US President Joe Biden. Assange has been in prison in the UK for more than four years and is fighting extradition to the US to face espionage charges. Mr Albanese told the ABC that he would continue to raise the issue both privately and publicly. Well, my position is that enough is enough. And I continue to say in private what I said publicly as Labor leader and what I've said as Prime Minister, that enough is enough. This needs to be brought to a conclusion. Uh, It needs to be uh, worked through, including we're working through diplomatic channels, but we're making very clear uh, what our position is on, on Mr Assange's case. Acting Prime Minister Richard Miles says the federal government will need to be wary of over a $112 billion debt as it prepares to announce cost-of-living relief measures for all Australians in next week's budget. Mr Miles told Channel 9 that the debt was created by the irresponsible financial management of the previous government. We, we as a government, inherited a trillion dollars of debt from the former government, which, for all their rhetoric... Uh, was a big-spending, high-taxing government which lacked discipline when it came to the management of the budget such that we've now got a trillion dollars of debt and with very little to show for it. And what that means in terms of framing a budget is that we're faced with a $112 billion interest bill over the next five years just to service that debt. However, opposition leader Peter Dutton countered the acting Prime Minister's argument, pointing out that the coalition had put the nation's finances back on track. He added that the debt was brought on by measures which were introduced during COVID and which all had Labour's approval. The fact is that when we came into government, the trajectory of the debt was $667 billion. That's what Labour had done. We got the budget back into balance. And then COVID hit... We spent $343 billion through JobKeeper, keeping people in their jobs, keeping businesses afloat. Labor supported every dollar of that spend and they proposed another $81 billion of spending. A quarter of a million frontline aged care workers will get a 15% pay rise from July as the government fulfills a long-awaited promise. The federal government has announced it will allocate $11.3 billion over four years in next week's budget to pay for the pay rise. Aged Care Minister Anika Wells says it's long deserved. 
What that means for aged care workers, if you're a personal care worker, that means for you nearly $140 a week extra or $7,000 a year extra in your pay packet. If you are a registered nurse, it means $198 a week extra or nearly more than $10,000 a week extra. That is life-changing money for people. The pre-budget announcement comes as the Greens continue to push Labour to commit to more social housing and rent relief as negotiations stall on the government's signature housing legislation. The Al Jazeera News Network has reported that a ceasefire in Sudan has been broken, with airstrikes and heavy shelling reported near the presidential palace in the capital Khartoum. Eyewitness reports on Twitter also claimed artillery fire was heard in the neighboring town of Omdurman. The week-long ceasefire agreed to by both factions in the Sudanese conflict was supposed to be in effect from yesterday until May 11. However, chances that it, that it would hold had been considered slim. Since fighting began in Sudan between military factions and lawyers to two top generals nearly three weeks ago, ceasefires of up to 72 hours have been repeatedly negotiated, only to be repeatedly broken. Sudan's de facto president, Abdel Fattah al-Buran, is leading the government forces in a power struggle against his former deputy, Mohamed Hamdan Daglo, who heads the paramilitary rapid support forces. Ukraine's capital, Kiev, was targeted by an air attack on Thursday evening for the third time in four days. Mayor Vitaly Klitschko says Kiev's air defense systems downed a drone in the central Pechersky district, sparking a fire in a four-story building. People sheltered in underground tunnels beneath Kiev's Maidan Square as air raid sirens wailed. Two, defense mis- two defensive missiles streaked across the evening sky and a loud explosion was heard. No casualties were immediately reported. Andrei Fetchenko, a resident of the area, describes how he went outside when he heard a sound of shooting. I live nearby. My son serves in the military. He warned me to leave the building and stay on the street. So I walked out and saw this thing flying above, a drone. Later I saw something intercepted over there. Then I saw smoke here. I went down and saw everything burning. Apparently it was the Russian drone. Government spending on research has dropped to its lowest on record, triggering a warning from universities. New forecasts show spending is on track to be 0.49% of GDP in 2022-23, having never dropped below 0.5% since records began in 1978. Universities Australia Chief Katriona Jackson will tell the Australian Higher Education Industrial Association's annual conference in Hobart today the federal budget is an opportunity to fix the nation's research problem. Australia has about 81,000 researchers working in universities, undertaking 45% of all applied research and 87% of basic research. And to sport in football, a penalty converted successfully on the ninth minute of extra time gave Brighton a crucial 1-0 Premier League win over Manchester. Manchester United. The goal was scored by World Cup winner Alexis McAllister. Manchester United have fallen to fourth place, to fourth place, the final position leading to next season's Champions League with Liverpool hot on their trail.
The Anfield side is four points shy of Ador Ten Hag's team, with four games remaining until the end of the season. After the match, the Manchester United manager defended his player, Luke Shaw, who made the error that led to the penalty. Luke played a good game, and it's really unfortunately that he's then making a mistake where well, uh, it's coming a penalty, and then we can't bounce back. And yeah, that is of course annoying, but yeah, that's football. We have to deal with it. Bounce back on Sunday. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Broome, sunny 33, Perth, partly cloudy 24, Adelaide, rain 18, Melbourne, late rain 18 degrees, Hobart, showers 18, Albury, Wodonga, partly cloudy 14, Canberra, partly cloudy as well, at the top of 15, Wollongong, sunny 22, Sydney, sunny and 22 degrees, Newcastle, mostly sunny 23, Brisbane, similar conditions, 25. Townsville, mostly sunny, 27. Cairns, partly cloudy, 30. Alice Springs, sunny, 24 degrees. Darwin, mostly sunny, 33. And the Torres Islands, a mostly cloudy day and a top of 30 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. TV radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 p.m. or anytime online. I'm Bertrand Tungandami and you're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from NAM on the Cooling Nation this Friday afternoon. Coming up next, we have a four way conversation with uh, Uncle Wayne, Bruce Kundalini, and uh, Rob McDowell talking about uh, their new documentary, which is actually a celebration of Uncle Wayne's Aboriginal knowledge of connection to country. But first, a selection of shared stories from NITV. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. The Queensland Health Ombudsman has delivered a damning report highlighting clinical failures at Dumaji Rural Hospital in the state's northwest. The report investigated the preventable death of Aboriginal woman Adele Sandy from rheumatic heart disease in 2020. Tanisha Williams reports. Scathing criticism of poor record keeping, unacceptable follow up care, and racial stereotyping. It validates our concerns and it certainly brings to light, I guess, the mistreatment of my sister Adele Sandy and and many others in Doomaji that have gone on to lose their lives. The 37-year-old mother of four was one of three women who died from preventable rheumatic heart disease between 2019 and 2020. The report found clinical records for Miss Sandy in the two years prior to her passing are completely inadequate. The report also revealed that Dumaji Hospital staff would not allow Miss Sandy's mother and two sisters into the hospital to comfort her before she died. There seems to be no apparent reason to not allow relatives in the waiting room of the hospital. Whether the family were not allowed in the clinic or felt they were not welcome in the clinic are both cultural safety issues. The organisation that runs the Dumaji Hospital, the Northwest Hospital and Health Service, said in a statement, We are committed to improving the prevention, early intervention and management of RHD and will work with the Dumaji community, including elders, 
Gigi Healing and local health providers to achieve this locally? This is evidence. The evidence is overwhelming towards our treatment and towards what's really going on. Um, we want real change, not just promises, not just recommendations that fall on deaf ears. The Ombudsman recommended changes to improving record keeping and communication, raising awareness around RHD and engaging with community leaders to make the health service more culturally safe for patients. The findings of a coronial inquest into all three deaths are expected to be delivered in the coming weeks. Tanisha Williams, NITV News. Well, it's been called a festival like no other in Australia, promising to weave its way through the streets and alleys of Nam, Melbourne, over the next 10 days. This year's Yerumboy Festival will host over 300 Indigenous creative groups from around the country in celebration of First Nations excellence. Tyson Chusi reports. They've risen from a tiny town in Australia's red centre. And now the Mulga Bore Hard Rock Band is ready to take over Melbourne. This song's Let Me Rock and Roll. The band, made up entirely of their family members, opened for their idols Kiss last year. They're one of more than 300 First Nations groups to perform at Yirrimboy, which means tomorrow in the local languages of the Kulin Nations. We want to do like build up like the community, doing music for the future and for Alice Springs to get better. Music, art, installations, drag and dance will all be part of the 10-day festival. It's all so different from one event to the other. We aren't a monolith. We come in so many different forms and, and types of creativity. While Melbourne's streets and alleys will be the backdrop to the performances, they'll be centred here. This is the entrance to the Uncle Jack Charles Festival Hub, which will host the opening performance by Mulga Bohr. It's covered in pictures and messages written by First Nations attendees, reflecting on the theme, Vision for Tomorrow. There is so much that is part of Yerimboy that is hopeful about tomorrow, but it is also to bring us more storytelling and truth-telling, which is so important for us to be able to walk forward together as a community. The fourth edition of Yerimboy will host 170 performances over 40 venues over the next 10 days. Oh, yeah. Tysok Yuzi, NITV News. That's our last uh, story shared uh, by NITV. Our next story comes from SBS's newsroom. NITV Radio, on radio, online and mobile. A group of Indigenous kids from Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory have flown to the United States on the adventure of a lifetime. They're taking on the competition at the World Robotics Championships Tournament in Dallas, Texas. Deborah Crook has this report. The Ganyangara community is a long way from Dallas, Texas. That's where a group of kids from Daipuma Barker Primary School in East Arnhem Land have gone. They're called the Jitikij Firebirds, which is a totem of the Gumbadge people. 
The group is part of their school's robotics team, which placed fourth in the National Robotics Championship in Sydney last year, and that earned them a spot in the World Tournament. They were the first Northern Territory team to compete nationally. Team leader Thomas says they'll be ranked on the design of their robot before battling against the clock to earn points on the game board. They've got one minute to um, pick up as many discs as they can, um, take them to the other side of the the game board, shoot them and then basically you get so many points. The world of robotics is a welcome sport for the small community school made up of around 30 local kids up to year six. Community leaders say they've seen some good things since the introduction of the program. Dwaja Yunapingu says kids are turning up to school more often and staying more engaged in what they're being taught. I've seen a lot of changes in the kids that they all been talking about when I sit with them at the community. And I guess kids, you know, kids want to learn. Valerie Damanjari is a teacher at the school. She says the kids are keen to do well. That we win. <laughs> Make sure we'll take the trophy to home. But it's more about the experience than the end result. First time for most of the kids, all of the kids here. Yeah, it'll be an experience of a lifetime. Win or lose, doesn't matter. We come home as winners. Deborah Grok, SBS News. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. Coming to you on NITV Radio this Friday afternoon, broadcasting from Nam on the Kulin Nation with me, Bertrand Tungandami. Coming up next, we'll explore a new movie, Earth Wisdom, with three people who played a key role in its making. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Earth Wisdom is a new documentary in which Aboriginal elder Uncle Wayne Thorpe shares his incredible knowledge of connection to country. And I'm pleased to say that ahead of the premiering of uh, the movie, I'm joined on NITV Radio in a four-way conversation with three of the people who played a big role into the making of the documentary. They are the director, the producer, and Uncle Wayne himself, the main protagonist. Gentlemen, before we dive into Arthur Wisdom, the making of this movie and uh, the movie itself, can you tell us about yourselves and your involvement uh, in uh, in the documentary? I'm um, known as Wayne Thorpe. I'm of the Gunai people in the southeastern parts of Victoria. So we did a video talking about how people can respect and connect with country. Um, a lot of people are asking about how to do that, so we thought we'd do a video to share that sort of information, them insights. Bruce, you directed the, the documentary. Can you tell us about yourself, uh, your work? and uh... Yeah, sure. So I'm a, a visual and music artist. I'm a cinematographer, filmmaker, but also like a music producer, uh, I've been working in this craft since 10 years and I've been working both in the commercial and uh, documentary and TV, TV series space for a while. I've always been intrigued by, you know, Aboriginal knowledge and wisdom. I think there is a lot of to explore. I really wanted to do from a while was actually to create a documentary focused on uh, on that and you know I came across uh, Rob uh, which he is um, 
you know, facilitating uh, with uh, Uncle Wayne uh, some camps where they share about this beautiful knowledge and wisdom of the First Nation people. We clicked straight away. You know, the documentary it has been very spontaneous the way it has been created. Even though we had a plan, everything, and that's thankfully to Uncle Wayne and his own beautiful, you know, ability to and knowledge to take in, in very significant places. Um, you know, it's been a very beautiful journey. Uh, really, I wanted to capture the beauty and the majesty of his personality, his uh, knowledge, and also the landscape that was surrounding. So yeah. this is, I think, what is uh, a wisdom. Rob, I gather you are the producer and the link between Uncle Wayne and Bruce. Always a great pleasure to connect and share the story. Earth Wisdom started uh, probably 20 years ago with uh, a man by the name of Uncle Max of Ewan Nation. He really, his vision around Earth Wisdom is sharing the um, secrets of the land. And he'd always talk to us about the fact that Mother Nature is the greatest teacher. That's what a lot of his elders taught him. So he would be he was a great guide and um uncle wayne was a big part of that um those camps and those teachings and it was open to all people that was uh, that was very significant been a beautiful journey to be a support and a host and helping um for first nation people giving them a platform to share through through that uh, earth wisdom which is now turning into um the art of moving pictures which is which is amazing yeah, I saw the trailer with very beautiful images and cinematography, and uh, it's also packed with, uh, I would say, very powerful words by uh, Uncle Wayne. Hence my very first question to you, Uncle Wayne. You said that Mother Earth has got uh, great wisdom. I feel this is a bit of a departure from a Western-centric view of the world that puts uh, man above and beyond everything. Well, you say Mother Earth has its wisdom and it nurtures us. Can you tell us more about your traditional way, your relationship with Mother Earth? Many of our, our First Nations people see the land as our mother, our Mother Earth. Mother provides everything for us. Everything that we eat, we need shelter for, keep us warm, everything is provided by Mother Earth. So just like our own biological mother, she takes care of us, helps us grow. And as children, we grow up learning from our mother. So, But when we grow up, this is the message that I, I like to share with people, when we grow up, it's our turn to look after our mother. So the same with Mother Earth. Helping people grow and have an awareness and a respect for our Mother Earth. We're all the children from Mother Earth. But we've got to learn how to grow and look after her. Many times people are talking about climate change and starting started to recognize the things that the human has been doing to the planet, to Mother Earth, to make the climate change. And so I thought, and this is from the teachings of Uncle Max, is that 
we start to share the insights and information from our culture to help people realize that it's we've got to look after our Mother Earth. So many, many thousands and millions of years ago, Mother Earth developed in the way that she did. And um, on the cycles of, in, in the solar system. And so what she did was invited humans to be, well, man, to be born from her. We see Father Sky, we see Mother Earth. We see Grandfather Sun, we see Grandmother Moon. So that's the universal family. So the plants, the animals, and the people are all the children. So Mother Earth invited that birth to happen. And so now we've grown over the centuries, but many people need to grow up and begin looking after Mother Earth. So Mother Earth is uh, viewed as uh, one of the family members in a way. Yes. When you look at nature and everything as family, then you start to have a a greater respect for the family. When you think as it's just a commodity for a natural resource to make money off it, people think that they're the owner of it, well, then they buy and sell attitude. No, it's mine, I'll do what I like with it, attitude. And so that's what's caused a lot of problems, you know, having dominion over, having having to subdue everything, having... You know, thinking that they've got the right to control nature and and dominate nature and do what they like with it. Well, everything gets exhausted. You know, Mother Nature will always try and heal herself when people overdo things. She don't mind sharing things, her natural resources. But when people start overdoing things, well, then now they're destroying places. So that's a disrespect for our mother. You say Mother Earth uh, nurtures us uh, and, um, in society and in families. Uh, as part of bringing up children, when a child does something wrong, they might be punished. Uh, does Mother Earth uh, ever chastise us? Well, she's always trying to teach us how to do the right thing. Rather than punishment, our culture really doesn't punish. We want to restore the balance. That's where people... You know, different people's ideas come into this country and they they put their ideas and attitude towards it. Yeah, so we, we don't necessarily chastise or punish. Um, our culture teaches you about what's the laws of law, universal law, and so therefore you start living accordingly to that. So then you don't bring um, unbalance. So it's all about maintaining the balance or restoring the balance. Part of the teachings are, well, when there's a drought or when there's a flood, these are caused by imbalances, whether that's in the universe or whether that's on on Earth itself. There's imbalance because of something. There's always a cause and effect. Whatever the cause is, you'll find the result and there, that becomes the lesson. So if you're in drought, well, you haven't got much food. And so there's a great lesson in that. 
So therefore, within the laws of law, you start to realize what you've been doing. If you've been taking too many things, well, it's going to take a long time to grow again. So that's why we didn't take everything from the area. Yeah. You know, select it and move on. Yeah, so. Powerful words by your Uncle Wayne Thorpe. We must not step aside, but stay tuned. The conversation with Uncle Wayne and Bruce Condalini and Rob McDowell about the new documentary, Earth Wisdom, continues when we come back. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. Welcome back. And now we continue our conversation where we left it, a conversation about the upcoming documentary, Earth Wisdom, with Uncle Wayne, Bruce Condalini and Rob McDowell. Now, coming back to the spectacular images in the trailer and uh, your powerful words, Uncle Wayne, you say it was 20 years in the making. Uh, what country or which countries exactly was it filmed on? On Gunai country, it's also known as Kurnai country. To many people, it's a different spelling thing. To others, it's, it's uh, two identities. But it's on Gunai country and it's on an area called Yirak. Yirak is also known as Wilson's Promontory. Wilson's Prom, Yirak, is the most southerly point of mainland Australia now. It juts out, pointing towards Tasmania. There's a land bridge that connects Tasmania with mainland at the point of Yirak, Wilson's Prom. But the waters flooded that area, and so people think that it's drifted away or it's separate now. Well, it's still connected. It's just that there's water on top. So, but yeah, so Yurok is is the most southerly point of the mainland at the moment. And uh, what challenges did you encounter while making this documentary? Not many challenges at all, really. You know, we travelled from the mountainous area leading into the the, the area of Yurok, um, following the the ancestors' journey. Um, of it's a little bit like a gateway before you go into that significant area of, of Yurak. And so we, we, we went along the journey and we travelled different places. I suppose the immediate sort of thought, the challenges, was that there are so many people that are there, the tourists are there. But then I thought, well, the whole point of the video in the first place is to help these sort of people respect where they're at. Yeah, it becomes a juggle, but um, at the same time, when you can see that it's, you know, it's all meant to be in that sense. So, yeah, you go along with it. Yeah. Now, the documentary is premiering uh, this coming Saturday with lots of events uh, scheduled. I got it's an all-day event. Can you give us some details on how the day is going to pan out? Well, I'm the creative artist, so Rob and Alex had done a lot of planning of, of the launch of it and um, the activities on the day. And um, I'll let them talk about that. Rob, I think it's your turn. Yeah. So we're starting the day, Saturday morning at uh, Warrandyte in the bush, which yeah. is a lovely way to begin with, uh, especially the sharing of knowledge. Um, most of the camps, most of the things we do involve being in the bush and being connected to country. So uh, Wayne will take us through some exercises, how we make that connection. You know, you see a lot of people walking through the bush 
with that Western sort of exercise mindset. They're not even aware of the bush. So, yeah, Wayne really helps people to drop into the space and start to receive from the from the experience. You know, you might see a bird or you might have an experience with an animal or something like that. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful start to the day, really, to have that mindfulness in nature. And, uh, yeah, of course, uh, science is starting to understand how that's beneficial to the body. So, you know, we've got this great sort of sense of this collision of ancient knowledge and and modern science really helping us to understand how important it is to connect with nature so we'll start our day there and then we'll make our way indoors because we're going to be you know the first public showing of the documentary that's going to be another wadding um not a wadding community hub at around 2 p.m and uh it'll, it'll again wayne will be there to take some questions and answers and really engage with the with the audience and uh We'll share some native foods there, which will be nice. And then we'll do a dance, uh, what's called an ecstatic dance, which is something that's really, you know, in my experiences over 20 years with Earth Wisdom, dance and ceremony is such an important part of um, First Nation life. So it's a, it's a place of celebration. It's a place of bringing joy and engagement with your community members. So it'll be nice to finish the day off with a with a nice dance together. Yeah, it sounds like it's not just about uh, physical and uh, sensory experience. There's also an element of spirituality. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I, definitely. Yes. I think that this documentary also is made in a way that through the images, you perceive the spirit of uh, Wayne and uh, the, the, the land, you know, and, and that's that's the most important thing. And of course, you know, if we are doing something like this, the event itself will be uh, created in a way where people will feel, you know, nourished and uh, looked after, you know, like uh, Mother Earth is doing with us. So people will experience something on the day and uh, take away some food for thought and uh, more reflection. Uh, now, before I let you go, gentlemen, any final thoughts? Yeah, just add to, to that. A lot of people are starting to say, we are a spiritual being having a human experience. And so by this sort of video connection to country and insights helps people wake their spirit up from its amnesia and helps people be guided by their spirit. Too many are guided by their ego or some sort of life forms that are within them that's coming um, along their journey of life. And so we help and bring their spirit forward so then people can be, be guided by their own spirit. With that, then people can start connecting with themselves and the country, therefore the more respect comes through. So that's a part of the whole journey. Yeah, and, and really the day is such a powerful opportunity to really begin that journey of understanding First Nation. A lot of Australian people who live here have no understanding of what First Nation culture is. And it's it's such, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm coming now, which is so, I didn't, didn't see that 20 years ago. So it's a really exciting time. And it's a wonderful opportunity to really dive in and, and have a real experience of, of, of what it actually means to connect to the cultures of this land. And so, so, yeah, we welcome people in that sense. 
Yeah. It's been a 20-year process. The, the Earth Wisdom camps have been going for 20 years. Yeah. The video itself wasn't that long. Thanks uh, for clarifying that, Uncle Wayne. Uh, it's important uh, to make that clear. The camps started way before the making of uh, the video. Uh, and to you, Bruce, uh, what are your final thoughts? I hope that this documentary can be shared uh, around the community as much as possible. And, uh, you know, we are looking forward also to share it with the world. So we are, you know, in the process of sending it to film festival uh, around Australia and around the globe, you know. So uh, for sure, you know, we, we you guys will hear about us with more events coming up, more screenings and more events and uh, you know for me it's such an honor to be to be doing this project with uh, Uncle Wayne and Rob and I feel that is just the beginning of probably a number of other projects like this thank you in appreciation we say Ganimba so I say Ganimba to you for organizing this Zoom meeting so Ganimba thank you very much TV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. As you just heard, uh, the movie Earth uh, Wisdom will premiere tomorrow. It's an all-day event, actually, not uh, your usual film lunch. And uh, the full day includes a uh, really immersion in uh, Kuri culture. And it includes a uh, sampling of uh, native foods, dance and uh, other cultural activities, uh, including bushwalking as well. And uh, that's all from uh, NITV Radio this Friday afternoon. Bertrand Tungendami, I'm Bertrand Tungendami, thanking you for staying with us today. Also, wishing you a safe and very good weekend. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu. <laughs>